something about it just rang so true. And it also fit me. A friend of mine refers to each of us as having a blueprint. And if you're on your blueprint, you know it. And if you're not on blueprint, you know that too. Welcome to the Learn It All podcast with your hosts, Learn It CEO, Damon Lemby, and SVP of product, Darren Bridget. Our mission is to explore how continuous growth shapes the path to success. Our guests are high achievers who've learned there's always something new to discover. They'll share their stories, strategies, and insights with you. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur, a seasoned executive, an aspiring athlete, or simply someone who believes in the lifelong pursuit of knowledge, this podcast is for you. Join us now for the latest episode as we continue the Learn It All's journey through a world that never stops teaching. It's happening. Here we are. Welcome, everyone, again to the Learn It All podcast. We are Damon Limby, the CEO of Learn It, Darren Bridget, SVP of product here at Learn It. And we are joined today by Al Spector. We're very excited to have Al Spector today because he is an all star Learn It All. And he's going to tell you more about that in just a moment. But to get us queued up, uh, Al has been a corporate legal counsel for a long time. He's done international logistics management. He's done strategy, sales, academia, professor at, at USF. Uh, last 20 years, focused a lot on nonprofits and social impact organizations, doing everything from being an executive director to board member to advisor. Started a lot of his own businesses, fundraising strategy, everything. This is just a tip of the iceberg right here. We were joking earlier that if Learn It All was to show up in a dictionary, and you were to go look it up on that page, you would find a picture of Mr. Al Spector. Al, welcome to the show. There, that's awfully generous, that intro. By the way, we probably just clear up one thing. I wasn't actually a full professor at the USF. An adjunct professor. Okay, let's, yes, let's adjunct. Not with those guys. I have yeah. all the respect for yeah. those tenured professors yeah. and that I was there yeah. just helping them out. Yeah. All right, good. Thank you. We're going to get into it today. I'm going to get into it right away with that very brief bio and tee it up for you, Al, as we're all about learning here. So we were talking earlier about some of the pivots that you've made in your life because you've really pursued learning and your curiosity to just try a lot of new things in which, frankly, you've been quite successful. So can you just walk us through a little bit more what your journey was like? and what some of those major pivots were. You said there was four of them. Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Hey, by the way, thanks for having me on your broadcast. It, yeah. I'm honored that- Good to have you, Al. You guys. Thanks, yeah. David. Sure. Happy to give you- I won't, Don't let me go on too long, but I'll, I'll tell you about what right. the journey was like. It was, I, in fact, I'm going to take you to uh, really early in this. When I got out of law school, and I went to a, a whole bunch of colleges before I graduated, I was learning, and I was also- interested in seeing some of the country. And I did that, but I got out of law school. And the first thing I did was I went to go help a friend of mine install a section of wind turbines down in the Coachella Valley in Southern California. And no, there wasn't anybody in my law school doing that. They were going to the library at the beautiful Denver law firms, making a whole bunch of money. And so anyway, that I think may be the, amongst the earliest points of my curiosity where it was there was like I was I had grown up with a little bit of construction family background and uh, so anyway I, I was a construction manager installing 300 kilowatt you know wind turbines in the sort of the bloody edge of that technology when it first started anyway that's the very beginning I'm not going to belabor each segment of it but that led that took me 
after law school, I practiced law a little bit in, a, in my family's firm, but I went and, and started a corporate career and that lasted about 22 years. And it was, and even inside there, I did some pivots. I, I had fortunately some really, um, really gracious mentors or generous mentors along the way. And one of them inside of a company where I was corporate counsel really pushed me around and had me do all kinds of things. And he saw that my, that I was curious about it. And so I went from there from being a corporate lawyer. And I guess it was amongst the first of my pivots is that I, I decided what I wanted inside of my corporate career to have some other kinds of posts. And I had an international logistics responsibility in a French company that, that had bought the RCA group. Anyway, did that. Fast forward the end of my corporate run, I said, I think I'm off the grid. And my, my version of off the grid was I, at the last corporate post, I was in sales in a, in a sales role in a technology company in, in Sunnyvale. I had been studying to get my captain's license. I've been a, a sailor a long time. And so there's a licensure, the Coast Guard put, you're required to have a Coast Guard issued license. And I started a, a sailing school. I, my, so my version of off the grid was I'm starting my sailing school. I wasn't moving to a TP up in Point Arena. I started my sailing school. And had an absolute ball doing it. It was something I had been brewing and thinking about a long time. And it was my own model. And it was, I, it was very intentionally an empowering model about how, how to sail on small sailboats. And was going quite well. It was, it was a, kind of a, it, it was a serious pursuit. But it was really just a, a thing that I afforded myself the opportunity to do. It was super fun. And then something happened. It was in... 2007, I believe, 2008, a friend of mine literally ran into her at a party and she had actually had a pivot in her career and she had uh, turned her attention to the, to guiding and, and teaching the blind. And she asked if we could give a sailing lesson at my relatively new sailing school to some blind students of hers. And uh, this is at a party, literally. And I go, yep, yeah, sure. Let, yeah. Let's do that. And here's a something that a learning point you might find interesting is the night before we taught our first students, it was on a, it was like on a Friday night, it was Saturday morning, we we're going to take two blind students to sail, sail Mike Pearson out of Sausalito. We met literally at a Starbucks in, in Albany, and she taught me the fundamentals of guiding, of being a sighted guide for the blind in a Starbucks. I'm walking around with a blindfold on, and, and then we changed roles and so she taught me the night before the fundamentals of what it's like leading the blind. And that was a, that was an interesting experience in itself, but the next day was extraordinary. And yeah. she and I teamed up with two students of hers uh, to teach blind. It was my first experience teaching blind and it was quite a day. I, and sometimes when I teach the undergrads, I say, hey, watch for something that matters. They try not to preach too much to the students and saying, I'll give you guys one piece of advice, watch for something that matters. And something mattered that day to me at a yeah. new level. And I won't drag this story out too long either, but then was, there was something very clear that was important and it mattered and it was, something was going on there and we decided we better teach two more. Let's try it again. So I think maybe the next Saturday she selects two more blind, low vision students. And then we did two more. And as I go, we, we realized the two of us, we we're not too bad. You know, we're getting along. Our skill sets were, were meshing. We were learning a lot. I was learning a lot. What's that old adage? If you want to learn something, teach it. It was that in spades, trying to transfer these skills to the blind. We decided this literally happened too. 
said, all right, hold on, hold on. someone else is doing this. We're not the only people. We, were, we had our heads down and we were just on it and just wanted to do it. And so I literally opened my laptop and I Googled blind sailing. And uh, there it is uh, right on the, one of the top Google searches. Yeah, shows a, a guy who at that time was the chairman of Blind Sailing International. We didn't know anything about any of this. And uh, there's a worldwide organization that, that supports organizations that teach the blind to sail and race the boats. And so we're like, you know what, let's call him. <laughs> we called him. Nice guy's named Arthur O'Neill. The grandfather, he wouldn't mind me saying this, the grandfather of, of teaching blind people to sail. He's out of a, at that time, out of a, uh, an organization in Boston. I think it might have been the Courageous Sailing Center, Boston Harbor. Anyway, welcomes us into the thing, goes, I'll help you guys. And so... We, uh, he said, somebody come here to Boston. Danette happened to be my partner, my co-founder in our program, happened to be going there. And so she, she went to, to sail with this expert in teaching blind people to sail in Boston Harbor. And he introduces her as, we gave her a title, called her the director of the program for the blind for the Marine Sailing School. And he says, hey, this is Danette Davis. She's the director of the program for the blind in San Francisco Bay at the Marine Sailing School. They're going to bring a team to the next to this upcoming U.S. Blind Sailing National Championships in Rhode Island, we'll see them there. And she goes, what are you talking about? And I've heard them both tell the story. That she, he goes, just go with it. And we did that. When we were in the 2000, we, with the California entry, California one was in the, the 2008 U.S. Blind Sailing National Championships in, in Newport. We had to learn wow. in a period in that time. Just within that year. Yeah. It was close. It was in month, I think it was month 18 of the, of the school wow. and it was happening. We, we had to re recruit our first, our, one of our first, first blind uh, racers was the Philip Kama, who we taught the very first day. He was my first student. He's still on the board of directors. He's a very successful guy. He's got three kids, beautiful guy, tells his own story about what it was like becoming a sailor and having with a vision impairment. Anyway, I'll roll a little bit forward, but the that the Marin Sailing School and its program for the blind still running today. I've passed the leadership of it, and after eleven years, I think I I know it was eleven years. I turned it over to Danette and some people carrying it on. Uh, six U.S. not U.S. Blind Sailing National Championship entries, the World Championships in two thousand and nine. I was with those guys on the boat for that. Anyway, that whole thing. I think so. One of the the my favorite pieces of work or favorite parts of my career right there. But one that really got me started in the mission driven business and mission, the, the business of missions. And yeah. so during that time, people were asking me, how did, can you help me get started? And so I created a, a bit of a, of a model for it. And so I started to consult, increasingly consult nonprofits and in, in how to pursue their missions. Yeah. Is that more than you wanted to know about that? I don't know. No, it's, it's amazing. It's clear uh, you have so much passion for it. Um, oh, the amazing thing. I, it's, it fell on me. Here's a, literally, this thing fell on me. I know oftentimes some, somebody connects to a mission, they've got a personal connection to it somehow. Yeah. fell out of the sky. And, but, it, but something about it was extremely engaging. So, you know, and also, the, it's, it really delivers to, I, to there's a, there's quite a get in it for somebody to teach people that, that, that are blind to sail the boats. It's an amazing thing. Al, in, in some of the research I've, I've done about you and I've known each other for a while. I, we worked together at, on the Sausalito Marin Little League board, right. which is awesome. And one of the things about you is 
you really believe in the importance of a mission statement, right? How does that play in, especially for business owners? You see a lot of these organizations, business owners or teams where they have it on the wall and it's stuck somewhere and people have no idea what it is or what it means. I love, um, I don't love mission statements as much as I love missions. <laughs> you know, mission statements are often a place where people sort of park the words and then right. you know, might, not, might not live it. That mission statement, I sailor referred to it as true north. It's north. That is your true north. And yeah. that it's a, a rallying point for everybody on your team or in your organization, for your contractors, for everyone, is this is what we're trying to accomplish. And that mission statement, I've done some, some strategic planning, advising to nonprofits, and uh, invariably, their mission statement is way too long. <laughs> you want that mission to be really tight, and because that's really the best chance of actually executing it and impacting it. So the mission's going to be tight. What you really believe, I, I think that you've got to make sure that's in your mission. But interesting, I, I think an interesting thing is it's mission. Yeah, it's a magnificent concept and a thing to think about, but vision is often what the real key to the thing is. And I, I put vision this way to, to, to my customers and, and saying, if your mission were to succeed, okay, well, once we clarify your mission, Let's have a little mission. Let's clarify that. But if your mission were to succeed, what would the world look like? And even if that world is just right around you, but that's, I think, where there's quite a, a bit of you a value is to think about your vision. Think about it, but clarity of your vision about where we're going and what that world realize. When we realize this mission, there's going to be fewer obese kids or there's going to be little leaguers with better health or historical society with more members sharing the rich history of your town. Yeah. Uh, so it's really that vision that we, that I really, you know, follow Todd, until they get tired of me. <laughs> Let me ask you this one, one thing, because I've seen a lot of people say, it's hard for me to come up with a vision. I'm not a Steve Jobs. I'm, I'm not an Elon Musk. Do you have a framework or, or any advice for business owners to help them create their own mission? You mean to help clarify their mission? Yes. To help clarify yeah. and share their mission? Sure. I, it's, it, it, you're, I really try to get out of them. And I remember I was a lawyer for us. So I enjoy a little interrogation, you know? <laughs> yeah. but, so I, but I, I, I try to get out of them is what do you really care about? And why do you care about that? And you got to really get in touch with that about what you really care about and what you really believe. And that is, I spend a little time. Sometimes it's only a matter of minutes. Somebody will have there. Lately, I get a chance to talk about it where I help a lot of nonprofits these days fundraise. And, but then they, they're like, yeah, we, we really have a fundraise. I'm like, okay, well, hold on a second. Let's see. You got a strategic plan. Let me see the, you know, share that with us. Um, what's the mission here? And so I even, regardless of what kind of help, you know, kind of pedestrian help they're looking for or what kind of subject, I'm, I'm really trying to, go all the way back to make sure that they've got a, a clear mission and it gets down to why they're in it. Why are you really in it? And, and I, I, and I was in the blind sailing business and it wasn't out of some cir circumstance, it, but it just, something about it just rang so true. And it also fit me. Yeah. And I found a friend of mine refers to, to it, to it, each of us is having a blueprint. And mm -hmm. if you're on your blueprint, you know it. And if you're not on your blueprint, you know that too. Yeah. So it just seemed to be on my blueprint, much like a lot of the other things I'd done. Being a lawyer was on my blueprint for a while and in, in, in being a corporate, in sort of corporate jobs and things. 
but this one just seemed to fit right on, fit me and, and on a path that I was on. And uh, back to your learning topic is there's plenty to learn. When you, to pursue your mission, you got to figure that out. Yeah. It's not, it's not clear. There wouldn't be, you wouldn't need a mission if there were a clear path to solving it. <laughs> right. <laughs> You would need to do so much work. Yeah, I hope that answered your question, Damon. Mission. When you've made these shifts in your life, can you talk a little bit about what, how do, you, how you knew it was the right time to maybe shift away from something, and the fear, if there was any, for you of, of facing an uncertain future? Yeah, Darren, the beautiful questions. No, I never knew it was the right time. I knew it was a. Uh, a, a little bit after the right time <laughs> so to make a change. Oh, right. you know, really wish we would have made this switch, made a switch about six months ago <laughs> because it just, and you, and you gotta, you gotta sit a little while with that fit, with that misfit where, you know, where you've been doing something. I think it was a, a lawyer, my, my, my corporate lawyer's job about 12 years, something 11, 12, something like that. And I had already started to think about what I wanted to do and my path forward, but I was, I had been on that thing enough. And uh, usually it's a pretty clear feeling to me when I've gone, it's gone on too long. And, but it's really my curiosity and something else has taken over. And, and that's definitely, that definitely happens. And then I do a little prep. I got my, my captain's license. I got an MBA at one point at night when I was a lawyer, because I could see that where I was going was not to be a, a lawyer, although I, I had a great time being a lawyer. That, people don't see, you don't hear people saying that too much. I really enjoyed it. It was really great. But I knew I wanted to do something else. And so I went to logistics management from there, but I needed some more training, some credentials yeah. to do it. It's probably an added benefit of the fact that you, that like you said, maybe you went, you hung on just long enough to know it was time to move on. But by not being a lawyer forever, you talk about everything you did in the past. Like I can see that you still enjoy it. Like you didn't stay with it so long that you don't enjoy it anymore. So by collecting all these great things that you've done, you still can return to some of those things throughout your life and enjoy them. Yeah, absolutely. Having been a lawyer, it has served me quite well. And it shows up every in every company that I've had, in every post I've had with every engagement that I have. There, that whatever, Even if it's just a little, a, a, a bit of subtlety about the framework for how it is I, I do my work, but that stuff shows up. Yeah, they call me occasionally, uh, retired from the blind sailing business, but I'm on call when I get to do it once in a while. It's, it's a fantastic thing to be able to do. Um, Damon's a, a baseball player. I, I started playing baseball. I think it relates to this. I, I, I sat out of playing baseball for about, I think it was 16 years. And I, after high school, and I started playing again in my 30s. And so it, it was fantastic. See, I was glad I, glad I played the Little League and a little high school baseball. Didn't, and I'm not really good, but I got to play in, in a sort of a master's men's senior baseball for shoot. I played until I was in my early fifties. Yeah. So Al, I, I got a question for you before we got started today. We, you talked a little bit about that individuals come to you. A lot of people are going through career changes these days, right? They need to reinvent themselves. Mm -hmm. What is one piece of advice you would give somebody who's out there right now? And maybe like Darren mentioned earlier, they have that fear of having to reinvent themselves or try something new. How would you recommend for them to, to go ahead and take that leap? Or what's one piece of advice to help them? Sure. But if I'd have to go with just one, it's... Or two. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. But we can stretch it out to three. And my my advice is is let me put it this way: is okay. Let's talk about something that you're genuinely curious about. Some maybe it's World War II naval history. Tell me something that you're really curious about. Let's start with that and how to imagine and envision having that be your main pursuit and have, having that be your job. Forget about the money, yeah. which is really the essential thing is refuse to put the fear of not having money in it. So it's a kind of an abundance and scarcity thing, but you got to really get that, get away from that and really just think purely as to what it would be like with, with a majority of your waking hours, really pursuing that topic that you really get you going. And it might not be one that's practical enough for them to actually do that, but get try to get them comfortable with that idea. And I, I really believe this is if you if you're curious enough and you and it's a it's a legitimate pursuit, you can figure out how to sustain your income and how to you it it'll show up. The money will show up enough enough to keep your livelihood, unless it's something really impractical. But if you're curious enough and it's it's a, if it's a legitimate subject matter, either in academia, in small business advising, but in service deliveries, some way, particularly with all the technologies, there's, you will find a way, if you're curious enough about that topic, you will find a way to get, to sustain it. And that's, that, that's that true. Mean? Of course, we all start from different places. So not every, and I think you acknowledge right up front that you started in a place that afforded you some pretty good opportunities. But I, I think the point that you're making is so strong because you said it elsewhere, watch for something that matters. Is if you start so focused on the money or like what you're going to get at the end of pursuing these goals, it can get you headed down the wrong path. You lose sight of mission and vision and purpose and being open to the net, like what else matters because you, you found your way to the vision and blindness stuff. It wasn't like a crystallized vision that you had and from, you know, going way back, you evolved, stayed curious and found where you wanted to go by letting go a little bit this hyper focus on what you'll get after you you learn all this stuff yeah you're there and i think you're spot on because when you get there it's never exactly what you thought it was gonna be anyway yeah. <laughs> no job is ever what you thought it was gonna be about it's, it's all there none of them are as advertised but you gotta have take a leap of faith it's gonna be somewhere close by the way i have the utmost respect for people that pursue one thing their entire lives. And I have that career path. It's as, yeah. as legitimate as any other. Mine just happened to have some pivots, I think, putting it nicely, some, some, some changes to it, but they all made, they made sense to me, but they were the moving from one thing to the next, that next thing was different enough yeah. that it had my full attention. And yeah. I'd say somebody, somebody would offer me a job that didn't happen that often. I wouldn't get a, approached very often for somebody to come steal me. I have one time, but I'd say yeah, that's not the job I want to have next because that's just like my, it's like the job I got now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, go, well, I, I, you know, I need to do something else. So, anyway, you're, it was that, some of that. You're in step with modern times because this idea of making lateral moves in your career, not just always ladder, I think that's pretty current. People want a variety of interesting experiences in their lives, not just like I'm going to work so hard for 30, 40 years and then finally relax, but can I make the journey interesting along the way? Yet when I uh, made my first cha considerable change after having been a, a corporate lawyer a long time, it was still the the that that era where there was a lot of security and when in profit sharing trusts and some of my close friends have retired from that company now and they've got mountains of money and they you could do it if you just stuck to it and 
you know, there was all kinds of profiteering things. It didn't interest me enough. It was, it just, it wasn't motivating to me enough to stay in. And, but I also have total respect for those guys. And they also vacation extremely well. I've seen them <laughs> visit their kids and God knows where were they're on. They're, well, you, know, you can just go up to wherever they are and visit them. So you, I think you've got the best of both worlds. So Al, working with you on the Bryn Little League board, one of the things that comes across right away is how passionate you are about it, how committed and passionate you are about it. And it appears that you're basically that way in all aspects of your life or, or in all journeys that you go down for your career. And I'm the same way. When For me, when I was playing baseball, I was 100% committed for baseball. That was it. That's who I was. And then my journey is almost polar opposite of yours. I've basically been at learning my entire career. I've done other things along the way. But I think part of it is because you just jump in with two feet and you get committed and you're passionate about it. And here I am 29 years later, and I still love coming to work. Do you think when it comes to being successful in whatever path you're going, that it requires to be fully committed to it? Because I notice a lot of business owners or people who want to do startups or try different careers, they have one foot in, but they're always looking, looking for something else. So can you speak a little bit to your passion and commitment? Sure. Nothing's going to actually succeed by taking a swipe at it. <laughs> no way. And also you're going to make, you're going to miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. I, those are a couple of, of things that really ring true to me is you better try because if you don't try, it ain't happening. And also right. don't take a swipe at it. To me, oftentimes the investment that you need to make in getting a little prepared, you know, or gaining a skill set before you go take that on, that investment is really oftentimes not that hard to make. Sometimes it is. It's a, it's a lot. And we've got to go get another, a co complete another degree or something. But there's a lot of return in a little bit of, of learning and a little bit of prep. And so that's, that plays in my world. And I, I like that connection for, for being a, trying to be a little prepared and not taking just a swipe at it, but seeing if, if you can invest a little bit and really make it happen. The, the, the Little League, and I have the good fortune of having Mr. Lemby uh, as a director on our board of directors. That thing, I'm a, a, a bad amateur baseball player when I've been playing for many years. And it's just some, for some reason that game, and I get asked this, what about this game? What, why are you, why is this game? Said, uh, I was asked that by the, one of the teachers at my kid's school. And uh, I said, baseball, for some reason, uh, it stands alone to me. It's a game for the, for the mind and the body. And there's a combination of, of, of things, dynamics in the game that just ring my bell. I don't know. I'm not sure I can explain it any more than that, but I think that that's a really, really important part of why I'm in that. But my passion for it, I, when my kid's been playing in the league for seven, I think seven years, something like that. But there's some things about little league baseball that I didn't really know until I started to get involved with it. I got my kid. I know how to play a little baseball. He seems to be really okay. We're going to sign up and play some t-ball. This is seven years later. But along the way, I saw that and I was just a, like assistant T-ball coach was my first thing because they needed the parents need to come in. It's all volunteers. And so the, you, so I started to get involved in it because I like the game and I like and uh, I, I like coaching and teaching. And I saw what it did for these kids, but I also saw what it did for the families and I saw what it did for the community. And we've got what I call our small but mighty little league here, Sausalito Marin City it provides quite a, I think, a service to our little community here. So it's how many people it was serving. The constituency was not just these kids. That's enough. But boy, what the mission is, is actually to do something completely different. It also gives these kids a, 
a venue for trying out all kinds of behavior. And it's nice and safe and we're all in it, but it's going to give them an opportunity to develop their respect for each other and respect when, and the, the values that we'd like to see, see them come out with as refined people. We're really lucky to have you out here. I, I've told that to you one-on-one in our group, but no, I've learned a lot from Al, Darren, in, in the yeah. last six months, how he handles the Little League and, and the passion he puts behind it. It's inspiring. Well, I know. I feel like you're really living up to uh, your billing as the all-star learn-it-all here. I have this impression you're never going to retire. Like retirement doesn't really exist for you. I've thought about it, but it's like a popular concept and everybody's yeah. seen. You hear a lot of people talk about it. Yeah. And I, I just change what I do and it's energizing, rejuvenating. And the company I have now, it's, we're starting year four and we, I started that 62, something like that. And you mentioned you had no, you had no background in that, right? Either. Well, yeah, this, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I've got some background, but no background in some of the roles that I have at the new company. This is a, a company that supports nonprofits and helps them build their capacity to fundraise by using technology on fairly low cost technologies, but it's an interesting void in the nonprofit community because there's not often a lot of IT support in it. And fundraising has been a traditionally a kind of a low tech thing. Um, but so these uh, nonprofits have to come on to, to, to play in the, the kind of data games that, uh, that for profits play in. And that's at the foundation of it. But our, amongst our services is we, we broadcast live and we make films. And that's me and my partner and I'm the director. And so I give stage direction and, and you're a film director now too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, yeah, I may have sent you guys a couple of my films. Yeah. So we, yeah. Do you have any, do you have any notes for us while we're on this podcast? <laughs> you guys are pros yourselves. You, know, uh, you don't need my advice, um, but we've, I think we've made some 15, 18 films. Our, our, our customer base has got this really interesting broad range of, of missions yeah. in it. There are yeah. all kinds of nonprofits, yeah. but yeah, and it's been a learning. Just what you guys stand for is I had had to learn learn the fundamentals of stage direction and in filmmaking yeah. and things like that. It's been super fun, super fun. It's like okay, it was a little scary. It was like okay, and you just yeah. one foot after the other, and you just start doing it, and there it is, and it it, it and it's been leading the way. Uh, this is reminds me of another. This is another one of those principles from the Learn It All leader about success, and that's this humility idea because the curiosity is there, right, for you to pursue all these new things. But I personally worry that when we have all this easy access to technology, it's like, oh, I can be a filmmaker, but you don't really learn the art and craft of filmmaking. You just think, oh, I can do it. So it's a balance, right? Because you've expressed some humble thoughts about your skills in these arena. It doesn't stop you from doing it, but you recognize that. It, there's real learning to how to be a filmmaker and you have to balance that kind of curiosity and humility as you keep stretching what you're capable of, but knowing what your limits are. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Darren, you're awfully, awfully kind. There is no, there is no success without real learning. You, you everybody around you, yeah. customers of high importance, but your colleagues, your customers, whoever it is, if you haven't learned it, it's going to show. Yeah, you won't be able to execute what it is. The product won't come out like it needs yeah. at, at a high quality, and it, it's because you, you took the time and invested in a little bit of learning. And like and I said, that, that learning is often can be done fairly quickly. It's just yeah. that it's not our nature to often. Yeah. To, I'm not that great at it, but I come to I think over the years come to realize if you don't get invest in that learning, it's yeah. not going to lead to the results you're looking for. 
That's right. So you take the time to learn. And then it's also, I, I just have this sense that we're painting this rosy picture of be learn it all. And you can do all these things and be like Hal Spector. But of course, along the way, you did a lot of you. If you try to, to learn new things, you're going to have frustrations and moments where you fail and you don't pull it off. And you have to be open to feedback and all that kind of stuff that I know Damon loves to champion when he's talking about learn it all leaders. I like what Al said earlier, a couple things. Number one, you've mentioned to me before that progress or growth doesn't happen unless you get out of your comfort zone. You need to leave your comfort zone. Cause like Darren said, yeah, you're going to have, you're going to have failures. Things are going to be frustrating. And now what you said a minute or two ago, I love, right? Put one step after the other, one foot after the other and just keep going. That's really the only way to go about it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you something funny is my mother who's passed away. She used to, she had a couple of, of, of little quotes and that was one of them. I'll I remember being a, a young, maybe a, on my first jobs, you know, how am I going to get to this thing? And then this thing, and how am I going to have a success where she would say, Alan, one, one step after the other, one, one foot in front of the other. Yeah. She had some, some fantastic little sayings. Anyway, that one, I actually use that a, a kind of a eulogy for her. But uh, anyway, she also said, never, never turn down a party invitation because, uh, <laughs> because you can't have a, you can't have a party without people. <laughs> so you know what i don't i seldom almost never turn down a party invitation that's I, good i know who to start inviting hey, thanks um, for letting me get my mother into the interview yeah no. sure <laughs> i've just noticed that we should probably wrap it up we have a standard question that we ask at the end here al here you go what are you learning next that's a good one a couple of things one of them is is about empathy and realizing that that empathy is is a key to a lot of things and uh, empathy for my customers, for their missions, yeah. and empathy for my kids. Yeah. So I'm learning quite a bit about empathy, not a concept that I always knew what it was, but anyway, it's become a, a, something more important to me. And then the other one is in the, on the business front is, okay, I've got to learn a lot about the technologies as they're moving, health moving fast. And here's AI right on it, descending on us, but it's okay. How it going to learn how it is to to put those things into play, to meet the customers exactly where they are. I think that some of that empathy point, how is it that we're really going to connect that to your mission? And it's not something that's been comfortable for a lot of nonprofits and their staffs is, is, is embracing the technology. So, so I'm learning about that is how is it that we're going to be able to, to, to get technology into their world and into their culture. So nice. I'm, I'm a student of nonprofit culture in that way. Al, before we wrap up, to piggyback on that question, are you a fan of AI? I'm okay. I'm okay with it. It's some of it makes me a little nervous. I was um, reading something the other day about what the colleges are going to do at, at university level. I'm sure it's going to be at high school level. Is Are we going to let them just get the answer in a sophisticated answer by just plugging it in? And so is what are we going to do about that? What's going to be to give them some discipline about, about actually making their way through that and challenging that and digesting that properly and not just buying it and keep running. Sure. So there's the, yeah. so I'm not, it's like, it's arriving. It is what it is. We, we know the, I think the sooner we just embrace it and, and for what it is and get our antenna up for what, for, for what help, where the perils might be. I'm okay. I think that in, in, in for-profit or for nonprofit, the nonprofits to get ahead of it and someone like you, who's a learn it all, who really likes to learn, I think it could really help elevate the nonprofits and your customers. I know sure we have to be we have to be careful of it, but there's so much I'm finding so much you can really learn to help leverage tools 
around research or chat GPT. And I just think that there's the companies and individuals out there who aren't able to embrace it and use it can possibly be left behind. Yeah. Oh, oh, by the way, you guys don't let this go on too long. I know that you're, you might have a time constraint, but the, I've got a lot of, a whole lot of promise for the, in, in the spot I'm in now for the, uh, the generation of development directors that are arriving now and they're tech savvy and, and they're also, they've got mission closer to them than, than some kind of big corporate retirement. So the, their values and their their world is changing. So I hold a lot of promise and, and I'm pretty optimistic about that's what they're going to be arriving with is this awareness of what the technology and, and the leverage you can get from it and the, the value of it and its indispensability and there's the new values that they're arriving with. So I'm I'm pretty pretty bullish on what's coming up. Nice. Al, how can people get in touch with you? Oh, you know, send, they can uh, send me an email or LinkedIn for sure. Yeah. Send me a note that way. My email address, I can give it to you. It's easy. It's, is that okay? Is that cricket if, for if your you call? want it to be out there, it's your call. Yeah. Now, we'll put it, or if it's LinkedIn, whatever you want, Al. We, and we put it in the, the listener notes for afterwards. I, I think I'm okay at, at aspector at stratdevtech.com. Good, yeah. Aspector, S-P-E-C-T-O-R, at stratdevtech.com. It's short for Strategic Development Technologies. And that's sure. a good place for people to also find out about the, the technology work that you're doing for nonprofits. I think we can also drop a link in for those who uh, were inspired earlier about helping blind sailors, information around that as well. Sure. And um, I think we should let your mom have the last words here. What was it? Put one foot in front of the other and never turn down a party invite. Is yeah, that yeah. yeah. It's, it's one foot. Yeah. One foot in front of the other. And never turn down a party invitation because you can't have a party without people. <laughs> Great last words. Thank you, everyone. Thank Thanks, you, Scott. Al, for being Thanks. here. Thank you to our listeners. And we'll see you next time. Hey, nice being with you guys. Thanks very much. You're great. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, guys.